0: Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Turner's Digest. My name is Alex, otherwise known as Fear the Z. And today, technically, I don't know how the naming's going to go. I Well, I do. I just don't love it. But this is episode 16 of the podcast, but this is a topic episode. This is the promised trip abroad and like travel episode that I wanted to do because I just recently got back from a trip to Europe and I have made some notes about some airports I went to as well as the... Airlines I flew, the cards I used, the lounges I went to and stuff like that. So it's this isn't an episode where I'm covering the happenings in, in the training space or things that I've done recently. This is about my trip and my travel abroad. I know that the podcast done by Turning Life, I think it was episode four of their podcast. Yeah, the episode no. Episode three. They talk about a trip that they recently had where they went to Belize, Vietnam, and Taiwan, and sort of inspired by that, I wanted to cover my trip to Europe. So uh, without further ado, we can get into it. But first, as always, a couple things to cover. Disclaimer, I'm not a financial or tax advisor. This is not financial or tax advice. This is for entertainment purposes only, but please enjoy. And as always, shout out to Cleed for being a, a patron on the Patreon. If you're interested in supporting the show, by all means go onto the patreon there's a link in the companion site it starts at one dollar you can have access to my show notes before they go live also thanks to cleed and evan who helped me with a little uh, i don't want to what do i want to call it um a little bit of a, a a loophole kind of to earn some extra cash back that i won't be sharing publicly but thanks to those two streams of income for the podcast. I've updated the site to be designed differently. It now I think looks a little bit better. I'm still using like a template that WordPress has but there's also no ads on the site. Also I now own the the fearthez.com domain so there's no longer fearthez.wordpress.com but you should still be able to access the old fearthez.wordpress.com if you want to or have old links. And finally there's a referral page in the show notes. I'm not going to be talking about anything that really has a referral here. I mean I have a I'm talking about Venture X card, but there's higher elevated offers out than my referral link, so I'd suggest using those if you're interested. But, all right, actually, without further ado, let's dive into this. So first, let's talk about what my trip actually was. So I flew first on Play Airlines, which is a, an Icelandic airline. Their call sign is OG. I flew from Logan International, which is in Boston, to... Reykjavik which is in in Iceland and then I had a short layover there which I first went which then took me to Dublin where I was for the day I landed which was in the morning for the next day then the following day so two full days and one half day and then we flew via I believe this was Vueling no this is Aer Lingus we flew Aer Lingus out of Dublin into Munich then we were in Munich for all of the day we arrived and then the following two days. And then the third day we flew viewing. This is the Vueling flight to Barcelona, Spain. We landed in Barcelona airport and then spent all that day. And then three days in Spain and then flew. What do we fly back Tap Portugal? Um, so we went Munich, to, or excuse me we flew um barcelona to lisbon as a layover and then back to logan for me so first i'll go over the airlines that i flew i didn't name them but i'll talk about them a little bit if you're interested so player airlines is uh icelandic's budget airline um, i actually kind of like this flight so the plane was basically empty i don't i don't know if I, i've I have a friend whose brother works in the airline industry and when he caught when we were flying play he was like well good luck maybe the airline wouldn't even survive past then but at play was pretty great um the their color decals are all red so the the flight crew and and we're all wearing like red suits with like a white shirt underneath and even their shoes were regulated they have like white sneakers with red aglets on their shoes which is like the little ends i just thought it was cute it's a very cute airline it's a very basic it was a airbus 321 neo i believe let me let me fact check this before i say it yeah so if if you're curious play airlines was created by the former wow airlines executive so wow airlines was an airline It was a budget airline that existed i think it went defunct in 2022 20, 20, 20, 2019 March of 2019, and the execs from WoW Airline created Play Airlines, and they were originally named WAB Airline, which is We Are Back, signifying from when they were on WoW and then went to WAB, and they later changed to Play Airline, and most of their fleet are Airbuses. They're they're mostly Airbus A321s, which are their newer planes. Also, they have some Airbus A320s, which I believe my second flight was an Airbus A320 from Reykjavik to Dublin, but the one from Logan to Reykjavik was an Airbus 321 Neo. And they were very nice. I mean it's it it's a basic airline. Uh, what was really nice was that the the flight was empty, so like we were like I mean maybe 20-30% full. So we were to lay down across an entire lane of seats if you wanted to sleep. The flight wasn't long enough for in-flight food. I don't know what the regulations are. Let me see if I can find that. I wasn't able to find anything in terms of regulations, but they didn't service any food, which, I mean, was fine. Um, I did test, which I'll talk about in a little bit, my Bank of America Preferred Rewards Elite card on that flight, and I did buy, like, some Icelandic jerky, which was honestly terrible. But I wanted to see if the... Airline credit would trigger for that purchase, and it didn't. It's supposed to only work for domestic flights, but I was curious to see how they coded it, and it didn't work, which wasn't a surprise to me. But um, So I I didn't have any food in that flight, which is fine. I I pretty much slept the whole way. Um, And that was play. I mean, if you have opportunity to fly play, if I didn't have an empty flight, I'd probably dislike it more, but I have no problems with play. I I would fly it again. The next one, we were going from Dublin to Munich, I flew Aer Lingus. I've flown Aer Lingus before. They're also a budget airline. They also had Airbus 321 Neos or Airbus 320 Neos. Really not much to note. Aer Lingus is fine. Um, there's really not much going on. Vueling, which is another budget airline, which is going from Munich to Barcelona. This was a really interesting flight because it, this was the hottest flight I'd ever been on. Like, like I know that in Europe they don't really do a lot of air conditioning like they we do in the States. But the flight was very warm, Like, like hot. And there were flies on the plane. So, like, I was trying to fall asleep and there'd be, like, a fly landing on my face, which is extremely annoying. And the flight was fully booked. It was, it was very crowded. I mean, it's as crowded as a plane can be. It's just the seats being full. But as a budget airline being fully booked, it gets a little tight in there. Um, and I think viewing was weird where if you have to check in seven days prior to your flight to get your free assigned seat, if you don't check in before seven days... You don't get a free seat. You have to pick a seat. Maybe if you go and check in at the gate or you check in at the airport, it lets you do it. But I had to pay like 7 euros for my seat. It would not let me check in and get a boarding pass online like within 24 hours and get a seat. I had to pay, which was really annoying. And then TAP tap Portugal. Um, TAP just came out with a cardless card for their airline. Um, Cardless is a card issuer, and they, they partner with a lot of brands. They they did the Boston and the card. They did the, um, I forget the other ones. They do the Simon's credit card, and now they do Port- the Tap Portugal, and they have a couple other ones. I think Man U has a card with them. Anyway, Tap just came out with a Cardless card, and it doesn't seem like it's very lucrative, but that's, that's a side note. I think someone was saying that uh, like a round-trip flight internationally you wouldn't even be covered halfway. So with, with a sign-up bonus of 60,000 points or miles or whatever they use. So just a note. Um, but I did not really like my tap Portugal, and I'll explain why. Uh, the first flight was fine. We were flying Barcelona to Lisbon. We landed in Lisbon, and I'll talk about the airports in a little bit. But when we were in Lisbon going to fly out, I have never – whenever I – the way we booked this was, I you get one carry on, one personal item. My carry on is like a little, a roller. It fits in an overhead bin. It at one point was regulation for the size, but I, I it's like ten years old at this point. So I think they might have like shrunk them since then. So tap had a like a cardboard. I don't even how to describe it. Like a cardboard box that your luggage had to fit into in order to meet the regulations. So before we got to the gate we didn't we were laughing because it, it was it was laughably small how small this thing had to be and i'm like oh it's fine like i i've never had an issue before we it normally has like those metal bins you have to shove your luggage in to see where it fits and mine does fit in like a normal united airlines or american airlines little overhead bin checker it's like a metal thing you stick it in but this TAPS was was comically small. And I was like, whatever. I mean, I'm already in Lisbon where I just came from Barcelona and I'm going back home to Boston. So I whatever it is is what it is. And we go up to the gate knowing full well that our, our luggage already doesn't fit inside the little box. And there's like security at, at our gate, like, like uh, Portuguese police, like, in, I don't know, immigration or something. And they're checking passports. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And we look past the line and they have a scale back there and we're like oh no i know my we were laughing because my buddy had this humongous check this humongous bag that he was bringing for a carry-on and we knew that it was not going to meet regulations just by size alone that's why we were checking initially and then we noticed that mine also wouldn't fit my buddies also wouldn't fit me and my buddy were flowing together and we had one extra with us that was flying separately out of Lisbon because he was going to a different destination so we, me and my buddy, who's flying back with me to Boston, are waiting in line. We get our passports checked. We go up towards this this scale, and the woman's like, okay, please put your, your luggage on the scale, and I put it on. It reads, I think it was like 20 kilograms, and she's like, around was 22 kilograms, and she's like, your max is 10 kilograms for your carry-on. I'm like, oh, can I like put some of my personal bags, my personal item, because I have a backpack, and she was like, no, you carry on and your personal item together have to be 12 kilograms. And I was like, all right, well I'm over 10 kilograms. It's not like I can somehow wear 10 kilograms of clothing. Like that's half of my bag. I, I, I don't have an option. I have to, whatever they, whatever you tell me I need to do. So she's like, you're going to have to pay for this luggage. I'm like, okay, she's, she, I'm like, all right, how much she goes? 125 euros per person. So myself and my buddy had to pay 125 euros per person for our luggage which was insane the the flight i don't even think was i I, let me see if i can find how much the flight was for this looking it up the flight alone from barcelona to boston was 217 u.s dollars that it was more than half of the price of my ticket just to bring my luggage on board i'm like "I, i don't have a choice okay yeah sure here's my credit card please thank you very much and I kid you not, we we pay our for our ridiculous 125 euros to bring my bag on plane. We sit down. As soon as we sit down, we are probably, I don't know, 20% of the facility. So like, we had to go through this little security checkpoint with security. I mean, not, not like security or checkpoint at the airport. Like, immigration was checking everyone's passport just for our flight going to the States, going to Boston. Once you get through that, you have to go to these two women who are have the little scale, and then you open up into our gate, like where you sit, like the outside of your gate entrance, there's a the little seats. That's where we were getting into. So we, we weigh our little thing. We go sit down right next to where she just was in our, in our gate, and they get up and leave. There's maybe 20% of the people who are going on the plane that have gone through this little checkpoint, and we pay 250 euro together, and they get up and leave, and they don't check anyone else's bag. I guess they met their quota of dumb Americans who don't properly know that you can only bring 12 kilograms for a flight going from Portugal to Boston, which is like an eight-hour flight. I don't, I don't know who's bringing only 12 kilograms on this flight. I guess people, most people are checking their bag beforehand, but I was not very happy with that, that experience. I guess if you're flying TAP Portugal... Make sure you read their scales, and, or not their scale, their weight requirement, because they will in fact enforce it. Well, maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe you'll be the 80% that came in after myself and my buddy were the idiots that paid the 250 euro met their quota and they stepped away and didn't charge anybody else. I did notice that most people had comically small carry-ons. I'm talking like like a dog purse on stroll on like a on like a wheelie bag. It was ridiculous. I guess I guess these people are flying from Portugal, so they understand what TAP is like, and you're only allowed to bring a small amount of kilograms onto the plane, but something to keep in mind for next time, for sure. I guess that's what you get when you fly budget airlines. All right, so now that we've covered the airlines, let's cover the airports. So first, I flew into Reykjavik, which is KEF. Really not much to note. It was super... We were there for maybe an hour, tops, maybe 40 minutes. There were outlets. They have funky outlets there. They have the same ones, I think, as... I think they have the same ones as Ireland did. I can't remember now. But it it seemed clean. The seats were fine. The little area we were in had some food options. I mean, it was 4 in the morning for them, so there wasn't anything open. But it seemed fine. I didn't really have any negative to say about it. In contrast... We then flew into Dublin, which was fine when I arrived, but when we went back to for our departing flight from Dublin to Munich, Dublin is quite possibly the worst, I think it is the worst airport I've ever been in. It's, it is miserable. It's bleak. The seats are just solid metal. None of the outlets work. Uh, I'll, this is true for the Dublin airport, but it's true for all non-American airports that I've seen. There are no water fountains anywhere to fill a water bottle. You have to buy a water bottle or... Fill it off of like the little thing you drink out of, like a water fountain, not like a water filler. And those things taste like metal. And I, maybe I'm bougie and I, I like non metal tasting water, but those were terrible. The security at Dublin was terrible. I, they were very unclear. I, I never, never have I wanted TSA more in my life, just at least because I know what I'm getting into. The every airport I went to across all of Europe had different rules. This one wanted me to remove all liquids out of my toiletries and put it into a separate clear plastic bag none of my fellow travelers that I was with had to do this just me then they put it through and they wanted me to take it back out and put it back in again also every single airport I went to I was pulled over to the side for a quote-unquote random security check so they swabbed my hands swabbed my feet had me go through the different metal detector the spinny thingy I don't know did not like Dublin the seats were horrible it's very poorly laid out there weren't any lounges it, not good would not recommend going to Dublin next was Munich the layout was really confusing we when we went into go to security our gate that we got doesn't say which like terminal not terminal but like I guess the concourse I don't know what they were calling it but there were different security checkpoints to go in for different gates and while we were going into the line it didn't say which one we were waiting on and my ticket didn't say which one to go to so we're waiting in line we get halfway through and we the the woman that led us into this line originally is like yelling at someone at the security check because they're like oh I shouldn't be at this one I need to go to this other one she's like well you should have looked before you got in the line and I'm thinking oh damn maybe I did the same thing it turns out we did the same thing but we had like 20 minutes to get to our flight so we had to hopefully get through security in time. And we literally ran through Munich airport because we were at the wrong like security gate going to the wrong concourse. Then we had to like run on the little footbridge that brought us all the way across the other side of the airport. It was very bizarre. Was, I loved Munich, but I, I was not a fan of Munich airport. Um, I, I didn't really get a good experience of what the airport was like because I was running through it and get a chance to sit down. I will learn one thing that I learned from these securities, just just lie. If they ask you if there's deodorant in your bag or if they ask you if there's liquid, just say no. Because I I said yes in Dublin and then I had to dump out my entire thing and spend ten minutes repackaging everything and unloading. And in Munich they were like, Do you have deodorant? And I was like, Oh no, I I don't and then it went through fine. And I I if they had checked it and been like, Well, you told me there was no deodorant, it would have been like, Oh, I thought you meant like a big deodorant I have a travel deodorant. I don't know but I, I from what i've learned abroad just don't just don't say anything if they ask you a question just say no and then keep going and you won't get pulled across pull the pull pulled side all right next was barcelona barcelona's airports beautiful but their seats were terrible one thing that i've noticed about airports is when you find a bad airport you'll notice that the the patrons are sleeping like on the ground or on like a windowsill which is true in barcelona they were sleeping on Windowsills in front of the window is just a flat surface because the seats were not good. And in Barcelona, there was a weirdo that was following me. He like came out of the bathroom stall at the same time as me, and was staring at me while I was washing my hands. And then followed me to my seat, and then was staring at me like next to my seat. And then got up and walked away, and then came back and was staring at me. It was really weird. I did not like the whole experience there. They told me to ruin my laptop. They told me they didn't tell me to ruin my laptop, and I left it in my bag. And then they made me put it through the security again. And then the first time I went with the security, the, the metal detector, they didn't tell me to, they didn't get quote-unquote random security check, but then they had to check my bag again because I had a laptop in it. And the second time I went through, the metal detector did ding, and they had to swab me. It was a whole ordeal. And then Lisbon, like I mentioned, Lisbon Airport, isn't. Inc- it was the most crowded of all the airports I'd been in. We did get to go to the, a lounge there, and that lounge was, I have it pulled up here, uh, a Lounge in Lisbon. It was quite nice. The, the food wasn't great, but the lounge is very nice. We did get yelled at, though, because we barely slept in this trip, and it was our flight back, and we wanted to, to sleep. And there's these, like, big couches in this a a It was a a right? Is that what I said? Yeah, this A&A lounge in, in Lisbon, which is part of security uh, Priority Pass. So we, like, laid down and fell asleep, and then the person at the front desk came over, and oh, there were multiple people laying down and sleeping, and she came over and, and literally shook us awake and said, you can't sleep here. And I'm like, Wait, wh- wh- huh? what's the point of having these couches here if I can't like catch a snooze? But the the lounge was nice, the food wasn't great, the airport was incredibly crowded, and I, was, again, wasn't the biggest fan. So speaking of Priority Pass visits, I have a dedicated post on my site that details my Priority Pass uses and also has a link to a spreadsheet or as an embed for a spreadsheet that Details all the Priority Pass visits that I've gone to. So, while I was in Logan, I often go to Stephanie's because my Bank of Mark, uh, premium rewards preferred premium rewards elite card still comes with Priority Pass with the restaurant access, which I really like because it just gets you like directly free food and actually good food. And Stephanie's is a pretty good staple for me. There's Stephanie's in Terminal B, which I go to frequently, but we were flying internationally, so we went to Terminal E. So I normally go like very early. And go and get a nice meal. And then my buddy showed up. And just before we got on the flight, we were like, oh, we're boarding in like 30 minutes. Let's just order some wings and get out of here. Turns out, Play decided to board us 30 minutes early. And with literally, it was 20 minutes before the, I think it was boarding was supposed to end. They made an announcement over the PA and they said, anyone who's waiting on flight, whatever, flying into Reykjavik, or flying into Dublin with a layover in Reykjavik. We are closing the gates in five minutes. If you're not here now, the plane will leave without you. So I didn't get my priority pass food, and I had already don't, uh, uh, donated. I had already tipped $10 in cash because I wanted to tip, and it would have cost me nothing, but I paid $10 out of my pocket to pay cash for a tip, and then we didn't get the food because we had to leave because the, the plane was boarding. I guess in the future, maybe I can just tell them to wait and and not leave without me, but... That was a little bit annoying. And then we also went to the Air France Air France, Air France Lounge in Terminal E, which had better food than the a a Lounge in Lisbon, but it, the actual lounge itself wasn't as nice. I would prefer better food over lounge. That's just me. And I was debating mentioning this towards the end and talking about a little bit there, but since we're talking about lounges, uh, the reason why this episode was delayed for a week was because I had a work trip that brought me to uh, Dulles Airport IAD in the DC Virginia area and there I went to the Capital One Lounge because I have a Capital One Metro X card and after I've been to let's say I've been to the club in Miami I've been to the lounge in Boston I've been to Air France Lounge in Boston and I've been to ANA Lounge in Lisbon and of all the lounges. The Capital One Lounge at IID is definitely the nicest that I've been to. Um, it's the nicest looking lounge I've ever been to. The small they have small food, small food portions, but the food was actually very good. It was very fresh. It was very yummy. They had really interesting food options. Like some of them were, there was like a they didn't call it a pancake, but it was basically a pancake with blueberries on it. There was um, a lot of a lot of corn based dishes. They had some kind, they had a chia seed yogurt with fresh chopped fruit in it, which was really good, and they did have a, uh, a huge bar, I was there at like 9 in the morning, so I didn't drink, but they also had a, um, a a coffee person, what the hell are they called, a barista? A barista, they had a barista there, which didn't really, they didn't really make your coffee, they pushed a button on a machine, and then put the little wand inside the milk to make a cappuccino and, and steam the milk, but the machine did it for them. Only complaint with that is they definitely need to have another machine. I mean, I'd, I'd obviously like it if it was like a, a fresh fresh ground espresso. And I mean, maybe it was fresh ground espresso, but not. If I'm going to get an espresso, I want the labor of the person to put effort into the espresso. I don't want you pushing a button. I don't know. There's a there's the human element that's lost there. Maybe it tastes the same, but I don't know. It feels more personal. But they only had one of these machines, so they could only make one at a time, and the line was kind of getting along. And the lounge wasn't very packed. It was, like I said, nine ten in the morning on a Saturday, so it wasn't very crowded yet. But I can imagine more people to come in uh, more bombarded that barista is going to get and the less they can pump out for those espresso-based drinks. Also, right when you walk in, there's small food. There's um, some to-go food options, which was very nice. They had your own tap iced coffee they had um sodas on tap they are on draft like 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 a little draft like the dude dunkin donuts has like the little the tap now that you can get your iced coffee from they had that self-serve um only thing that i was surprised it's it's a large lounge but i was there are some seats that are questionable choices they had like a family style table that had just like little bench seats, I don't really know what to call them, they look like, <laughs> they kind of look like a minion, <laughs> if you imagine a minion with no arms and no legs, and that that's just the seat that are around, that's around this table, and that, that was like, I don't know, there were like 15 of them, and no one was sitting there, obviously, but the lounge is very well designed, it's very pretty looking, um, a porch, it was smaller than I expected, in the pictures it looked very large, the bar is huge, it like, the actual area behind the bar takes a lot of space, I wonder what was in this area at uh, Dulles before this, because it's like a huge empty space. One thing to note about the space, it is kind of hard to get to. You have to go to TSA PreCheck in, I think there's just one concourse, one mainline security check. But, like, there's big signs that say, oh, just beyond TSA security check. So you you empty out of TSA PreCheck, and you're immediately greeted by a staircase flanked by two downward escalators. And there's like a um, there's a walkway that goes around it and behind the staircase and escalator, so like it goes down and then like above it is this is this walkway that goes around and above, and then behind where the staircase goes down, there's a wall, and behind that wall, on the same level you enter out, not down below is where the the Capital One Lounge is, and there are signs, but they're like on support beams. And they're on the second set of support beams. So there's a first set of support beams that are like sort of covering the sign. It, it's definitely, if you don't know where it is and you're kind of clueless, you can definitely get lost and not find it. My buddy said that he, he couldn't find it. And then when you go down those escalators, when you look up, it says do not enter because you're going back up towards TSA PreCheck. And obviously, that's not where they want you to go. But you can go up there and walk around and go to the... Capital One Lounge, or you can take the elevator once you've gone down the escalator. And that's where that wall that I mentioned was. That's a flank of elevators. So you can take the elevator back up, which will dump you out directly into the entrance of the Capital One Lounge. But something to note. Um, also, I thought it was interesting that the little scanner, if you've ever used Priority Pass, it's the same scanner that Priority Pass uses to scan your Capital One Pass. And they also say that you can't go in, th- you can only go in three hours less three hours or less prior to your departure time. And I went in like four hours and they didn't really care. Um, let's see. Yeah. The seating choices were interesting. They were comfy. The ones that I sat in, um, one thing that was a really, really bad decision. There's only four, how many, I gave it away. There's only four bathrooms in the whole and all of the capital lounge. And they're each individual user bathrooms. There's not, like, a communal men and a communal women. There are four individual bathrooms, and two are separate from the other two. And if you don't know about the other two, you'll think there's only two. I I originally thought there were only two, and then you have to, like, walk up... It's, like, in this little narrow hallway where the kitchen comes out of. There's two bathrooms there, and then if you walk up the the ramp some more, on the right and on the left, there are more bathrooms. There's another... Two more single-user bathrooms. And this is, like... It's like it looks like the the back back rooms of the Capital One Lounge because this is where like the break room is for the employees, but there are also two bathrooms there. There are some good working places in this lounge. They're not like private working places, but there's like a, a countertop with like a sort of a desk chair looking thing. But there's like three of them next to each other, it's sort of like a Starbucks kind of layout. Um, but it it is the nicest lounge I've been to. Um, it still leaves some to be desired. The food was very good. I definitely got a, I got breakfast and lunch there, even though I really wasn't hungry, but I was like, I'm just going to get free food. And I, if you're in IAD and you have a Capital One card, definitely recommend it. I wouldn't pay to go in there. I think that there's a fee if you don't have a card. I wouldn't pay to go in, but I would definitely bring my friends and go in by myself if I'm in the airport. And it will make me fly into IAD instead of Reagan. And I think they might be putting one to Reagan, but for now I'll be flying into IED if I ever have to go back to the area for work. All right. Next, with my while I was in Ireland, I we booked a rental car because we drove from Dublin to Galway and then back to Dublin for a flight the next day. And with my Bank of America Preferred Board Elite, Elite card, I thought that's the card that came with primary renters insurance but it's actually, I believe the Venture X is the one that comes with primary registered insurance. Don't quote me on that. I'm not looking it up. I'm too lazy. But I know that the Bank of America Premium Preferred Rewards Elite Card does come with elevated rental car status. So I went through and looked at, like I think it comes in National, Enterprise, and Avis, and I just looked at the three of them to see which one was cheaper, and Avis was the cheapest, and that, that should have been my giveaway. It wasn't that much cheaper. It was like maybe $5, but I should have... Not gone with Avis. I'll explain why. So I chose to rent a single, like a 24-hour car. I needed an automatic vehicle because I, I I know how to drive manual on a motorcycle, but it doesn't exactly translate. I haven't done it in a car, and I'm now driving. They drive on the left side of the road, not the right, so I'd be in another country driving on the left side of the road with a manual for the first time. Bad choice. So I chose an automatic vehicle. They They... I chose a sedan, which was like a Skoda Octavia. But I get there, and they give me an old car, which is a, a, a pretty large SUV, with 80,000 miles on it, and it definitely had some kind of engine issues because you'd, you'd tap on the gas, and it would, l- like, lunge and lurk forward. So not great. But we go there. I get anxious, and I buy, like, tw- an extra $20 worth of insurance because I don't want to wind up in a ditch because I know I'm driving cross-country in Ireland, and the roads are really narrow. Thankfully, nothing happened, but... I had it just in case. It was like 23 Euros, I believe, extra. Um, but so we we check at the car and like, all right, you have to go downstairs and wait at this little bus terminal, and you'll get picked up to be brought to the rental cars. Meanwhile, we we right next to this bus terminal are like a bunch of cars. I don't know why they don't have cars there and they have to shuttle us. But anyway, we sit there, I kid you not, for Like about an hour in 40 degree weather in Ireland, it's like drizzling because it's always raining there. The shuttle never comes, It, it comes after an hour, and we are literally waiting there just in the cold with a large group of people all waiting for the Avis shuttle. No other car rental was coming, no other people were waiting there for a different car rental. There were multiple other car rental shuttles that came by, including National Enterprise, and there's some local one there that I wasn't familiar with, but. There were those that kept driving by maybe four times while we were waiting there, and and Avis never came. It finally came, and the guy squeezed us all into the car. One of the seats were wet. The guy was not a good driver. It was miserable. End of the story. Don't rent from Avis. I called Avis and complained, and they did not care. Um, If any of you have had experience with filing complaint with Avis or something like that, please reach out to me and fear the z i'm i genuinely hated this rental car experience and i i personally would never be using Dave Avis again because of it so i i've used enterprise in the past for domestic stuff and i should just stick with enterprise or national next time i think national i've done too um, so just a word of warning avoid avis in my experience next just a little note about global entry so a lot of my cards come with global entry for free i wound up getting it before COVID happened thank god because it, everyone knows how it takes months now to get a global entry interview, which took, I kid you not, 30 seconds. The guy's like, oh, where are you from? Have you done anything bad? No, all right. Here's your stamp. Global entry coming back into the country was so nice. i You walk up this little kiosk. It scans your face. And then to my right, there's a security agent. And he goes, fear the Z? And I'm like, I, I'm like yeah. He's like, you have anything to declare? And I'm like, no. He's like, all right, go right ahead. It, Ten seconds. That's it. It was amazing. Definitely recommend it. All right. So that's it for like travel stuff. Now I'll talk about the cards that I used. And th- th- apologies, this episode's getting long. It's a lot of stuff I wanted to cover. But I, I find it an interesting. Hope some other people do. We'll see how the <laughs> viewer retention goes on this episode. But just set it to 2x and I'll be done eventually. Uh, next, I'll talk about the cards that I used. So I brought my Curve card specifically because it has no foreign transaction fees and it allows you to use any card that has foreign transaction fees and not get foreign transaction fees because the card that's being swiped is the Curve card and then Curve is using some back-end um, kind of like, uh, I don't want to describe it, like they have like a Stripe payment processor in between the Curve card and my card that charges it domestically. And it shows up as non-international for whatever cards I charge charge it to. So I can continue getting my high cash back rates for like my 4.5% on all purchases. Because I have the Bank of America Customized Cash Rewards, which earns... Or Custom Cash Rewards, which earns 4.5% on online shopping. But Curve shows up as online shopping. Anyway, that's why I brought Curve. And then my Bank of America Premium Rewards Elite Card, which I just brought as a backup. Because it has no foreign transaction fees. And... It also comes Priority Pass with the restaurant, but I don't need the card. I just have my digital Priority Pass QR code. And then the Venturex card as, again, a backup, and it has no foreign transaction fees. And then my SoFi card, which also is a backup with no foreign transaction fees. And then I brought my Fidelity Cash Manager Debit card. I think Cleed is the one that turned me onto this. I already had it, but he reminded me, or someone reminded me, if it wasn't Cleed, whatever, shout out Cleed, That card has no ATM fees and no international ATM fees. So I transferred $2,000 into this account. The account's free. I already have a Fidelity account. So I just brought the debit card with me while I was in Munich. We just went to a local ATM. We found that when I was in Dublin, there was an ATM that charged like, I think it was like 17% convenience fee or something, which that's not the fees that Fidelity will refund because they just upcharged my conversion rate. But we found a a decent one in Munich, and it charged nothing extra. The conversion rate was great for euro to USD. And we just used that a bunch of times to pull out some euros. So that's why I had that. Thankfully, I did, because we needed euros. And finally discovered it, because that also had no foreign transaction fees. But they don't accept it a lot in Europe, at least in, I think, Spain and Germany where they didn't accept it a lot. But until October 1st and I went, I was there a little bit prior to October 1st that it was earning 5% back on digital wallets, so I was trying to use that while I could. So that's all the cards I brought. About Curve, the Bank of America Premium Preferred Premium Rewards Elite, the Capital One Venture X, the SoFi card, the Fidelity Cash Management debit card, and Discover It. I wound up using Curve as my primary. Well, Curve and Discover It as my primaries. And then my fallback was my Capital One Venture X or my Back of America Premium Rewards Elite. One of the buddies I was with has a Capital One card, Capital One Venture X, and the other one doesn't have anything with no foreign transaction fees, so I gave him my Back of America Premium Rewards Elite card as just like his spend card, and I was like, all right, listen, any charges you put on this, I'll just like Venmo you, and I'll obviously keep the cash back. But I, that's the he was able to use the card whenever he needed to and not get any foreign transaction fees, which was convenient for him. So some things that I found while using these cards, I mean, this doesn't matter now because it sounds like Curve might not make it until the end of the year, which I discussed in a previous episode. But with Curve, there's smart rules you can set up. And one of those is if a transaction is under a certain amount of dollars, use a particular card. So I have a debit card that if I charge 12 debit transactions in a month and I have a direct deposit and I have e-statements on i will get five percent back on any purchase on that card up to two hundred dollars per month so ten dollars cash back per month which is nice so i in order to meet the 12 debit card requirements i have this smart routing and curve to be if the purchase is less than fifteen dollars put it on this card so it'll just quickly assign it there and i can also use go back in time and change a different card if i want and the refund doesn't count against my 12. So if I made a purchase and refunded it with go back in time, that purchase still counts as a transaction, which is nice. But I learned that abroad while it's doing the currency conversion, it does not let you use this smart routing less than money based rule. It did for the categories. So like I have my Boston Celtics cardless card for restaurants, for example. That per- correctly routed to it based on the smart rules, but the, any of the less-than-money-based re- routing did not work for some reason, which I thought was interesting. Also, Curve is the only card that just gave me random denials. Like, I would I would always tap to pay with the card because I like using a physical card, and I'd often get denials. And some random... Like... um person at a, at, a, at a register was like it, it got denied and i was like man that's weird and they were like oh if you use tap to pay with a physical card over 50 dollars, it'll auto deny and i was like i don't think that's totally true but there's something going on because whenever i had a larger transaction specifically with my curve card it just wouldn't go through and it, it would say denied and i would just instantly pull out i think my venture x or my bank of america premium or delete and i know i said i gave it to my buddy to use but i kept forgetting that i did that and i would pull out my my mobile wallet on my phone and pay with the um, premium rewards elite. So I had to go through and weed out the ones that I actually made and Venmo him for the ones I didn't, which was annoying, but that's my own fault. But that card always worked. And the Venture X always worked. Um, Curve was really cool where when you make the transaction, it will show you how much it was in euros and then what they converted it to in, in dollars, which honestly it's sad curves leaving because I, I really enjoyed using it abroad i also got a compliment on the card at the Avis car rental i mean screw them but she was like wow that's a heavy card i hope you get good rewards ha 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 and i'm like actually it's a card i used to purchase on other cards and have free routing anyway i didn't do that <laughs> but um yeah i it's sad because it was really nice um another thing i i some finding I had was Discover, like I said, is not really accepted well. And if we would say, oh, do you take Discover? They don't really know what that is. They also call it, uh, I think it's called Diner's Club there, but they also didn't know what that was. So we would just try tapping with our Discover card, and if it didn't work, fall back to one of the visas. And then finally, like I mentioned before, the Bank of America Premium Awards Elite, I wanted to see if the Incident's airline purchases would work. So I, I bought something on the flight in with play, and it didn't trigger it. And then I bought I bought the seats like I mentioned with Vueling and on that card just to see if it would trigger the incidental purchases uh, incidental airline credit and it didn't so whatever I, I knew it, it it wasn't supposed to but I figured to check and see if it did but it didn't so womp womp all right so finally I did a little tally of how much I spend spent abroad so I whenever I do these travel whenever I do these whenever i do whenever i travel man that was really bad i'm sorry whenever i travel i'm normally the one that organizes it and purchases the flights on my cards and then venmo's people or whenever we go out i'll be the guy that puts the card down and I'll venmo everybody i don't have a problem with that and i get the credit card rewards sometimes i'll i'll pass credit card rewards through i normally do like i did for the when i bought the flights for everybody i i gave them back the rewards but like while we were abroad, I didn't bother going through that because we had I think I'd made probably eighty Venmos total over the entire trip. So I was not doing the math for each one of those and figuring out which card I actually used and how much cashback I actually earned. But if you're curious how much I spent on a twelve day trip to Europe, including flights, and I went through and tracked pretty much everything that we spent and it was Seventy two hundred or seven thousand two hundred and twenty-four dollars and sixty-two cents. But that was for three people. So I Venmoed them for four thousand eight hundred and sixteen dollars and forty one cents. So that I mean that's manufactured spend if you want to consider it because they venmoed me back and it was just spend I put on my card. And then uh total spent per person, including myself, was two thousand four hundred and eight dollars and twenty one cents. there was about three hundred dollars that probably isn't accounted for in there. Like I think there might be I think I did account for the ATMs I pulled out of, but there's definitely some other expenses that I didn't account for. Like somebody no, I did I account there for that too. But let's just say there's three hundred dollars of extra. So I I the trip total for me cost two thousand seven hundred dollars. Which I had a fantastic time. It, it it is expensive to just go abroad. Um, but that's how much I spent, and that was my trip. Thanks for listening. I don't know if any of this is interesting, but I know that, I mean, when I originally started this podcast, I did a apartment rant about my previous apartment, and that is definitely my worst performing episode. Oh, actually, not too far off. It is the worst performing by three listens. So I'm really not that bad. So I'm curious to see how this does. I mean, it's literally me just rambling for 45 minutes on my experience with traveling abroad. Oh, let's do some let's do some nice stuff to end it out here. I really enjoyed the time abroad. My favorite parts were the cliffs of the cliffs of Moor were beautiful. I'm really glad we we did the drive from Galway to Dublin. Or Dublin to Galway, excuse me. Galway was beautiful. Dublin was alright. It was kind of touristy and they're they're starting to change things. They're I was talking to some locals and they were saying that since they're now the only European Union country that natively that their national language is English. They are now getting a lot of corporations coming in and dumping a lot of money into the area to be their Europe base there. So they're doing a lot of building and a lot of tourists are coming and it's becoming more sort of American. And I don't think the locals love it. But the bars are really cool. The The bar scene is really cool. My buddy really loved Temple Bar. He made us go back like every night. But I really enjoyed the the countryside, the the sprawling hills, and the Cliffs of more were beautiful. And then we went to Munich, went to Oktoberfest, and I'm not a big beer drinker, I'm not a big, I guess, Oktoberfest person, but we luckily on the second day we went, made some friends with some Germans. I thankfully took some German in high school and college, so I I speak passable German, I really don't speak German, but I can translate certain words and certain phrases, so I was our translator, which was, I really enjoyed that, Um, that's the kind of experience I like when I travel abroad, and then... We spent a like an evening in Munich which was really nice. We we were just walking around aimlessly and we went to like this beautiful courtyard and there was like a for lack of a better term a really big lack of a better term really big gaze- a gazebo that was the park was like pitch black but the gazebo was lit up and there was music coming from it. And we walk over and there's like maybe 20 couples just like doing just dances. I don't even know what kind of dances to call them, but they were like spinning around and a bunch of couples just spending a I think it was like a, a Monday night together, just like dancing in the park. It was so wholesome. It was so beautiful. Um, And then we went to Barcelona. I didn't love Barcelona. We did go to a, a vineyard. Like we took a boat tour, which brought us to a vineyard that was probably an hour drive north of Barcelona. And that was beautiful. The wine was really good. It was a, they, they only sell it locally. They don't export it. It's a family-owned business for fourteen generations. They don't spray anything on the grapes on the, on the grapevines. It's organic. It's it, it, the wine was really good, and the the woman that hosted it was really knowledgeable and and a really nice person. And it was so nice. And then our Airbnb we Airbnb'd everywhere except in Munich. We stayed in like party tents, which was a whole uh, It was crazy. And we stayed in a hotel for our final night as to recoup from the tents in Munich. But the Airbnb that we got in Barcelona had a little patio, like an outdoor patio, which was, I mean, overlooked like an interior courtyard, which was like a concrete jungle. But Hey, we get to sit outside in Barcelona. The weather's beautiful. And we just sat there, the three of us and just drank wine. Most nights, like shared a couple of bottles and just kind of chatted, which was really nice. It, it was very wholesome. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And yeah, that's the positives. That's the travel itinerary. That's the details. I'll be coming at you next week with the standard episode, but hopefully enjoy these topic episodes. And if not, I promise to be back next week with some more normal content. Anyway, thanks for listening. Have a good one, y'all. All right. For those of you that made it to the end, I was just reading through my show notes and forgot to mention something, but I've definitely called out in the past that I've purchased a lot of Uber Cash gift cards and I've stacked up like $400 worth of Uber Cash. And I was like, oh, perfect. This trip, like we have to travel around a bunch. I can use my Uber Cash. You can only use Uber Cash. You can't use US dollar Uber Cash while in Europe. When you go to Europe, they then show you a Euro Uber Cash that you have and mine's obviously zero. So I could not use any of it. Super annoying if you plan on traveling abroad and you plan on using uber honestly i thought taxi would be cheaper and we use a taxi at some point it was like three times the price of an uber so i don't know but if you plan on going abroad and want to use uber and you have a bunch of uber cash don't plan on buying uber gift cards on on discount because you're not going to be able to use them abroad just something to note and i'm not going to piece this into the podcast i'm just going to shove this at the end so again thanks for listening and i'll catch you in the next one